Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into this week's edition of the Believe in Tobacco Road podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stone, a lot to get to on this week's show. We have a jam-packed week with uh, with college sports, obviously. With college football, obviously, uh, kind of winding down towards the end of the season, getting towards some pivotal games, and then also college basketball season getting underway on uh, Wednesday as well. So a lot to get to, so we're going to dive right back into it. No real we'll recap hearing there as we go for teams uh, if they played last, uh, last week as far as uh, college football, but no uh, full dive. Uh, like we normally do, but obviously this is a monster week for uh, for Tobacco Road in terms of football, particularly for the UNC football program as they get the chance to host number two Notre Dame uh, at home this week on Friday. That game kicks off at uh, 3:30. Number two ranked uh, Irish against the 25th ranked Tar Heels, and you know going into this game, uh, Notre Dame is a five point favorite. This line started out around nine and a half. Uh, and has been bet all the way down to five. So a lot of people liking UNC's chances to uh, to hang in this game. And I agree with that. Um, I think when we saw Notre Dame play the best offense we've seen them play this season uh, in Clemson, we saw them give up some points, uh, even without Trevor Lawrence. They've been dominant against uh, against you know everybody else they've played. But against the best offense they've played this season, they gave up some points. So I, I do think... Uh, this vaunted high-power UNC offense is going to score points. Um, I the, the question is if Notre Dame can UNC's defense stop Notre Dame at all, and also Notre Dame uh, with their ability to run the ball, like they're they're a very good rushing team, 234 yards per game. Also, they're a clock dominant team, over 34 minutes of per. Per possession, or excuse me, 34 minutes of possession per game this season. So they, they keep other teams' offenses on the sideline. They're very good at that, which allowed their defense to be uh, to be very successful. Um, so I think you, you can look for Notre Dame to try to be ball dominant, run it down UNC's throat. Uh, you know, 234 yards a game, like I said, and this is a UNC defense that gives up 152 yards per game. So it doesn't exactly bode well. For UNC defensively, and when, the interesting thing is when you look at the, the metrics, the number of plays, the Notre Dame offense runs an average of 72.63 plays per game. That is the exact same number that the UNC defense gives up. So that, that's something kind of interesting to, uh, to note. Uh, also, Notre Dame scores 37.6 points per game, and the UNC defense gives up about 31 per game, and when you look at the uh, the UNC offense, they score a little over 43 per game, but the Notre Dame defense only gives up 16.6 points per game, and the Notre Dame defense only gives up about 62 plays per game, which is a, uh, a big difference in terms of the number of plays they give up. Also, Notre Dame's defense is only averaging, allowing 85 yards per game, so if they can slow down Carter and Williams, and put a lot of pressure on uh, on Sam Howell. It certainly makes things more challenging for UNC. It is of note now that UNC's 4-0 at home this season. That's where they've been at their best. Uh, Notre Dame, though, is 3-0 on the road. So something has to give, obviously, in that, uh, in that regard. But it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Sam Howell. But the thing is, like, if Sam Howell 
and this UNC offense can perform. Like if they can if they can get going early, put points on the board, put pressure on Notre Dame's offense to make plays and put points on the board. If this thing is close going into the fourth quarter, like if we're talking about a 31-31 game, you know, 28-28, 24-24, I trust Sam Howell a lot more in the fourth quarter than I trust Ian Book. That much I will say in terms of which quarterback I trust in this game to make a play when the game is on the line. With that said, I just can't trust UNC's defense. Notre Dame's defense at this point in the season has has proven to be trustworthy. So I like Notre Dame minus five. Now, if this thing moves up above, up to seven or above, I like UNC. I think UNC. I think it's relatively a one possession game, like seven to ten points, maybe even three to ten points. You know, I'm not fully confident in taking Notre Dame at five, but I do think they're probably a touchdown better uh, than UNC mainly because of the defensive side of the ball. But I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. It's it's also you know a super important matchup, I think, for UNC, just in terms of building the building the pedigree of your program and just trying to, to give yourself a great launching pad into uh, in the next season uh, in terms of, uh, of momentum as well. And obviously for Notre Dame, it's super important because they're trying to stay in the uh, in the college football playoff mix and stay atop the uh, the ACC standings, so I uh, certainly think it's going to be a, a great game worth watching on uh, on Friday afternoon. Uh, speaking of the rest of Tobacco Road, you've got NC State on the road at uh, Syracuse. Obviously, the Wolfpack as bad as Syracuse has been. Obviously, the Wolfpack going to be a a big favorite in this uh, this matchup for what's a a noon kick. State is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, which a little low, I think. Um, I like State to cover that. Like it, it wouldn't shock me if Syracuse hangs, but uh, NC State, I think, is playing with a lot of momentum. Again, I think that, Sarah, that for one, the Liberty win was shocking because they held Liberty to 14 points. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think everybody thought that if this game was going to if this game was going to be a win for NC State, it was going to be in shootout fashion. They were just going to outscore them. But NC State's defense really showed up and played well in that game. So I think they're playing with some confidence. I think you know Bailey Hockman has started to play with confidence, and this team has just rallied around him and adjusted what they have to do to be good. So I think NC State's playing with a lot of momentum. I think that will uh, will continue as they go on the road to the Carrier Dome to take on a Syracuse team that has been abysmal this year and is sitting with a uh, with a one and eight record. So definitely like the uh, the Wolfpack this week. And then you've got uh, Duke on the road at Georgia Tech, and this you know matchup of similar teams with similar records. The the interesting thing about this one, I guess, if you were looking for a, a like an interesting storyline, is the trajectory of the programs. Like Georgia Tech has been you know well talked about this season for their improvement and how competitive they've been at times. Whereas Duke, it's kind of been the opposite. Like they they just haven't had the quarterback stability that we're used to seeing Duke have. Um, and I think that that's you know something that's interesting. With that said, it's it's a coin toss game. I mean, the line is even, two and six, two and five. You know, Duke's four and four against the spread. Jordan six, three and four uh, against the uh, against the spread. When you look at the offenses, they're not all that different. Uh, you know, both teams, Duke scores twenty five and a half. 
Georgia Tech scores about 21 and a half. Uh, Duke, 232 yards passing to 169 yards rushing. Georgia Tech, 206 yards passing, 167 yards rushing. Both teams' offenses don't stay on the field very long. Duke does run uh, a lot more plays. Uh, when you look at them defensively, Duke gives up 32 points per game. Georgia Tech just been abysmal, 39.7 points per game. Uh, so, I mean, if you had to pick in this matchup, and if you were going to make a bet, I would say maybe a sprinkle on Duke on the road, just because I think they'll maybe be a little more well-prepared. Also, coming off a bye, hard to not trust uh, Coach Cutcliffe in that uh, that situation because of, you know, what we've grown accustomed to for uh, for Coach Cutcliffe over his uh, his coaching career with the uh, with the Blue Devils, so uh, those are the best bets for uh, for Tobacco Road. As far as for the rest of the ACC this week, you've got uh, Clemson taking on uh, Pittsburgh. I, <laughs> I feel bad for Pitt because you know whatever fake mo- whatever fake motivation Clemson and uh, Dabo are able to drub up out of this uh, Florida State situation. Like, I think Dabo's been a little petty and childish in terms of his, his handling of that. Uh, but that's that's another discussion for another time and for somebody else. But uh, <laughs> Clemson's a 25-point favorite going into the matchup. Uh, I know Pitt's coming off one of their better performances of the season against Virginia Tech, a game that I was royally, and I mean royally, wrong about, and I will fully uh, admit that. Actually, Clemson now a 24-point favorite, but they are just coming into a storm at this point, with how mad I think Clemson will play, and with Trevor Lawrence coming back. I expect Clemson to uh, to fire on all cylinders, put up a big number offensively, and not give up many points at all to a pit offense that has uh, struggled at times this uh, this season. So I think uh, Clemson will win that game uh, relatively comfortably. Also, I like the over in that game to hit uh, over 55 points as uh, as well. In that uh, in that matchup, as far as uh, the rest of the ACC this weekend, you've got uh, two other games. You've got uh, Boston College as they take on Louisville. Boston College only a one point favorite, and that's a to me that's a disrespectful line to the uh, to the <laughs> to the Eagles because they have been much better and much more consistent than Louisville so far this season. Louisville might be a touch better offensively, and it wouldn't you know totally shock me. If Louisville found a way to uh, to win this game, it's a holiday week, so you know crazy things happen sometimes. Uh, but I, I just trust Boston College more than I trust Louisville in what's basically a pick on the spot. I, I like the Eagles in that situation, and then you've got Virginia going on the road to Florida State. Uh, the Hoos are a nine and a half point favorite. I I, I like what Virginia's kind of done as the season's gone on. This is a team that has grown a lot. Bronco Mendenhall continues to be an underrated coach and do a really good job of building the program. And I think uh, that will continue as they're playing with momentum. Florida State's not playing with any momentum, so I like the uh, the Hoos to cover uh, the uh, the nine and a half point line in uh, in that spot. Uh, so that's the, the college football slate for the uh, for the ACC this week. Obviously, on Tobacco Road, it's basketball country. Basketball season about to get underway. So uh, a lot of excitement on Tobacco Road. I, a lot of questions as well. I think more questions maybe this year than we're accustomed to for for a lot for pretty much all these Tobacco Road teams. They they all have like questions and. 
The one thing that's really interesting for, for these teams is they all face three of the four at least, maybe even all four. Three of the four at least, though, face the same question. And we're, we're going to get into that, but we'll start with, uh, with UNC, what to expect from, uh, from the Heels this season as they start the season Wednesday against uh, College of Charleston. You're going to expect an extremely good front court. Uh, Armando Baycott, Garrison Brooks. Uh, this is a, a loaded front court that they bring back. I think Garrison Brooks was rightly picked as the uh, the ACC preseason player of the year. Ton of momentum, you know, coming off of uh, of last season. So certainly expect uh, big things from him again. I think Armando Baycott will continue to grow. A guy that uh, was putting put up some double digit. I mean, some uh, quite a few double doubles. At, uh, at times last season. I mean, even Sterling Manley, who isn't great, but he gives you some depth. Uh, Dayron Sharp, the freshman, is a stud. I expect he'll, he'll draw valuable minutes for the uh, for the Heels as well. Uh, you know, they, they just have an absolutely loaded front court, uh, the Heels. The, the big question for, for North Carolina is going to be the guard position and the point guard position especially. Can R.J. Davis, the freshman, who's only six foot, 160 pounds, can he take the reins of that offense and run it successfully the way, especially the way that Roy Williams wants it to be run? Uh, and there is some veteran experience that could maybe help him out. Is Leaky Black ever going to grow into his role as he enters his junior season? Anthony Harris coming back off of uh, some injuries last year after getting the red shirt, and you know Caleb Love. Uh, another freshman coming in as well. So it, it's just an extremely young backcourt for UNC. And that's, you know, guard play in college basketball is the most important thing. Anytime you go into March Madness, that is the most talked about thing. Two of the most talked about things. Guard play and can you rebound. This for, Rebounding is not going to be a problem at all for this UNC team. But can the guards rise to the occasion and, and make this team a contender for, for an ACC championship. That remains to be seen, and it'll be very interesting to see how they start the season uh, against College of Charleston on uh, on Wednesday, but uh, but certainly looking forward to, uh, to checking out that matchup, checking out the heels, and seeing how they uh, they look on Wednesday night. Uh, we move over to the, uh, to the rivals, best rivalry in college sports, in my opinion, uh, the Duke Blue Devils. What to expect from uh, from them this season? They were supposed to start the season Wednesday night. Gardner Webb had some uh, some COVID, uh, some positive COVID tests or some contact tracing. One or the other, that game ends up being uh, being canceled. So they will start the season Saturday against uh, against Coppin State. And it, again, it's another young Duke squad. That that's basically just what. Coach K has grown accustomed to at this point. So really nothing that new. Uh, you do get Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore back, which is a nice nice thing to have those sophomores back. Also, you get Jordan Goldwire in the backcourt, a, uh, a senior, and uh, Patrick Tepe, the uh, the 6'9 senior, who's probably going to be more of a role player type of guy, but a guy that can you know, give them a little bit of size off the bench. Uh, Mark Williams, the freshman, gives them some size as well. Uh, but the big question for, for for Duke, one of them is, is Matthew Hurt going to become a star in the ACC? That they that they need him to be. Like, I think Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore early in the season 
need to be stars for this Duke team to be good and to give the freshmen time to grow. I think that's a that's a very important thing. Matthew Hurt has the ability. Uh, will he? Will we see him grow into uh, into that role this season? Remains to be seen. But the biggest question for Duke it's the same question <laughs> that UNC has: guard play. Uh, you know, I think Goldwire will do some ball handling early in the season, but we 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 know Goldwire, solid defender. He's typical easier, typical Duke kind of adjutant. Can knock down the big the occasional shot, but for for Duke to be what they want to be, it's about Jeremy Roach. Can Jeremy Roach grow into the uh, into the point guard role for this uh, for this Duke team? That will be uh, the most important question that uh, that has to get answered. I think it's it's nice that he's got Jordan Goldwire. A little bit different situation than what UNC has because they don't necessarily have a guy like that that can handle that can handle the ball and kind of give R.J. Davis time to uh, time to grow into that role. Uh, but uh, but Jeremy Roach is the guy that is the most important player on this Duke roster this season in terms of determining their success. I did not say most talented. Be clear. I said he's the most important. Uh, I think Jalen Johnson is going to end up being their best player. 6'9", 220-pound freshman from Milwaukee. Top 5 prospect. Reminds a lot of people of Jason Tatum. Uh, I'm not saying he's that polished offensively yet, but that would be something. But I think uh, he's going to end up being their best player. Can Jeremy Roach grow into the point guard role, take the reins of this offense the way that you expect a typical uh, Duke point guard to uh, to be able to uh, to do so. That'll be what's most important for uh, for Duke moving forward this uh, this season if they're going to be you know an elite team when March Madness rolls around. Uh, NC State. This is one of the best teams, probably the best team Kevin Keats has had in his time in Raleigh. Um, I, I think they get a lot back. You know, he's talked he's talked at length about. He has eight guys in his rotation that he feels very comfortable playing, and even any of those eight could start, and he would feel absolutely confident with them. That's a very good thing. That's a lot of depth. Um, I think maybe that depth maybe even grows a little bit as the season goes along. Also, I think one of, uh, a strength for, for NC State is their front court size. Uh, you know, bringing back Manny Bates, Funderburk as well. That, that's two really good interior players that give you some size. For, uh, for NC State. The biggest question, though, and it's the same as the other two, can Cam Hayes, the 6'3", 175-pound freshman from Greensboro, can he develop into the starting point guard you need him to be? And it's crazy how all three of these programs have the same question, but they legitimately do. That is the, <laughs> the questioning spot for all of these teams. And it'll be really interesting to watch and see, particularly with Cam Hayes, because of the amount of talent he's got around him and the amount that he's got back I mean he's got a senior in the backcourt with him in Braxton Beverly that'll help him out some I think you know Devon Devon Daniels 6'5 senior as well who really stepped up developed as a scorer last year he can maybe do some ball handling for you but it's really going to be about Cam Hayes and what he can grow into uh, also Thomas Allen the uh, the Nebraska transfer can give them some uh, some shooting uh, like it's, I think this NC State team, as they uh, they start the season on Wednesday as well, they play Charleston Southern and then North Florida on Friday, uh, both those games in Raleigh. I think this NC State team is underrated 
in the ACC. I think they were picked like 8th or ninth preseason. I, I like them to finish in the top 6 and maybe even the top 5. I, I like a lot of what NC State brings back. I liked them last season. And, and I'm telling you, don't be shocked if this uh, this NC State team outperforms uh, a lot of people's expectations. Because I, I really like this Wolfpack team and what they uh, what they bring back this uh, this season. Uh, for Wake Forest, things are completely different as they enter the Steve Forbes era. They don't bring back a ton, and they are basically instituting a new culture. So they're basically they basically hit the reset button with a very inexperienced, bare bones roster, and that you you just can't expect much out of this this Wake Forest team. This uh, this season, I you get some guys back that you can expect, um, you know, some some contributions for like Isaiah Musius, uh, the six eight junior. Um, I think Davian Williamson's a guy that you can look to to contribute as he entered as the transfer from uh, from East Tennessee State. Uh, that that's there just isn't a ton that you can expect from what's a very bare roster from Wake Forest, but what. I think Coach Forbes and his staff are going to be looking for is how hard do they play? Do they buy into the culture? And are they competitive? Those are the three most important things for uh, for Wake Forest. I think those are the three most important things for any coach their first year as they take over a program, particularly a program that's that just quite frankly hasn't been good in a long time. It's unfortunate, as good as Wake Forest history is, but it's just been a long time since they were a regularly competitive team in the ACC. It's been over a decade. Uh, it's sad to see. I know the folks in Winston-Salem here are ready for, for Wake to get back to being competitive. And I think they're heading in the right direction. I think Forbes has made some really good moves on the recruiting trail. Getting Williamson as a, as a transfer, I think, was a uh, was a big deal for, uh, for Wake Forest. Uh, and getting him eligible also. He's made some strides on the recruiting trail. And I think... The thing about Forbes is he will get JUCO guys at Wake. So guys that are more mature, more experienced. And I think for Wake, that's a big thing because they just don't land the blue chips that UNC and Duke land and occasionally NC State. They just don't land those guys, big part in particular because of Wake's academic standing. Not that Duke's isn't tough, but Wake's is higher than everybody else's. It's a tough place to recruit to. Um, so I think that's a big thing is that I think he will bring in JUCO guys as time goes on that will help this program develop and maybe get off the ground faster than we're, uh, we're expecting it to. But I, I just wouldn't look for that this season. The three things I would look for, you know, just that team trying to grow and improve as the season goes on. Also, just building the culture there as well. Do they play hard? Are they competitive? Are they buying into the system? Those are the three most important things for Wake Forest as they uh, they enter this uh, this first season in the uh, the Steve Forbes era, which is a hire that I really like. And I think if Steve Forbes is given the the proper amount of time, you know, three years from now, I think we'll be talking about Wake Forest as a uh, competitive team in the uh, the ACC and on uh, Tobacco Road again. That'll do it for this week's edition of Believe in Tobacco Road. As always, download it wherever you get uh, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere that podcasts are available. Also, make sure you check out Believe.com, Believe Podcast, the network for professionals. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.